This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. Hey, Sam here. Before we get to the show, got to ask y'all a quick favor. If you have a few moments, please fill out a short anonymous survey over at npr.org slash podcast survey. You doing that, it's really good for us. It helps us figure out what you like and don't like about the show so we can make it better for y'all. And if you're a newish listener, we especially want to hear from you. All this stuff makes a big difference. Trust me. Again, the survey, it's at npr.org slash podcast survey. Thank you. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. So inspiration can strike in the strangest places. For my guest this episode, it struck in the office bathroom. For a while, when Zakia Delilah Harris was an editorial assistant at a publishing house, she had been the only black woman on her floor at work. Until one day, another black woman showed up. And Zakia expected a friendly interaction. In my way, I was, like, giving out signals that, like, you know, I don't, this all probably sounds really weird. And I'm like... What is the signal that you're giving out <laughs> at the bathroom seat? Tell me. I want to know. Well, I was kind of like, you know... Washing your hands extra slow or what? Yeah. Well, I kind of... I felt like I was smiling a little bit and like, hey, girl, we're here. You know, like that That kind of nod. Except you didn't say, actually, I hey, didn't girl, say. here. Yeah. No, no, I didn't. I did not. So neither of them actually speak to each other in the restroom, but Zakia kept thinking about that moment with the other black girl. I thought about that interaction. I thought about why I didn't say anything specifically. Um, I thought about why maybe she didn't think it was a big deal that we were both in that space together um, and why I was so excited and then also nervous that, like, what if it was me? Like, what if she doesn't want to have a conversation with me? Like, all of those kind of... Um, insecurities that I have buzzing around my brain a lot of the time. Once she got back to her desk, Zakia messaged her best friend because all those insecurities buzzing, they were becoming something. I, I was like, hey, I just thought of this idea for a book. Like, what if there's this one black girl and she's in this space working in this white place and then this other black woman comes and like gets weird. Like that was all I had. And okay. I she was like, go for it. And um, yeah, from there, I just really quit your job, quit my job (laughs) as one does. Flash forward to now. That idea is a book. Zakia Delilah Harris's debut novel, The Other Black Girl. In this book, it got Zakia a seven figure book deal. And it's already getting turned into a TV show with help from Rashida Jones. And the reviews of this book, they are pretty glowing. People are saying it's Devil Wears Prada meets Get Out. Also, I should mention here, Zakia Delilah Harris is the sister of Aisha Harris, one of the hosts of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Anywho, today we are talking about Zakia's book, inspired by that restroom interaction. We're going to talk about how it subverts the office drama and the lessons it has for a still very white publishing industry. I want to lay out some kind of synopsis of the other black girl as best we can without giving away any spoilers. Yes. And I'm wondering is the best way to do that not through having to try to give some plot, but having you just give us a quick character sketch of the two main characters, Nella and Hazel. Yeah. 
So our first character is Nella Rogers. Um, she is a young 26-year-old editorial assistant who was born and raised in very suburban town in Connecticut, mostly around white people. She has been the only black person working at the very prestigious and very white uh, publishing house, Wagner Books, which is in Manhattan, um, in Midtown. And she's been the only black person there for two years. And she is just, you know, she's had it in a lot of ways. She has experienced tons of microaggressions, doesn't really have a space and work to talk about these microaggressions, uh, but she does have a space outside of work with her best friend Malika and her boyfriend Owen. And then in walks Hazel, uh, the other black girl who yeah. is another young black woman from Harlem, has gorgeous dreadlocks. She just drips Harlem cool from her head to her toes. She very much represents, in a lot of ways for Nella, this other this other way of blackness. This also, I think for her, she has a little bit of envy. I think she's really intrigued oh, yeah. and wants to kind of, ex- she wants to know what it's like to have, I think, lived in that space and like have It's kind of like this, this Instagram way. ready blackness. Exactly. Is executed in a way that is just like, Beautiful to behold, if that I makes love sense. That. I love that. Exactly. Exactly it. And so the two of them uh, meet, and you kind of think, all right, they have to be friends. They're the two black girls. But then, mm. and I guess that's where I stop because I don't want to give away <laughs> anything else. <laughs> yes. 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 Things get complicated as they often do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Nella is clearly the protagonist of this book. But Hazel, as we've just alluded to, is just so damn appealing. And <laughs> I kind of think that if I met them both like out in the wild, I would enjoy hanging out with Hazel more than Nella. Mm, yeah. What do you think? If you met them both at a party, oh, who would you hit it off with? Easy, Hazel, for sure. For right? sure. <laughs> I, I agree. Although I will say I would, between Hazel and Malika, I think I'd choose Malika. Uh, oh, Malika's the one that's down to go to the second bar at like 11.30. Exactly. On a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I agree. And and that's the thing. I mean, I when I was writing um, Nella and Hazel, they really felt they're, they're so different in a lot of ways, but they also are two sides of the same coin, too. Like, mm. I, I do imagine, again, Hazel is this kind of idealized for her and the white people in the office um, kind of image of woke perfect amount of sassy perfect amount of smart like all of the code switcher perfect code switcher um she can do it all and she does it all flawlessly in a way that nella is constantly you know struggling to figure out hazel felt and i was happy to see it so many times the hazels of the offices or the hazels of the movies and the tv shows as a white girl yeah. It is a very successful valedictorian blonde cheerleader mm-hmm. who just effortlessly is perfect and secretly mean. And you're used to that trope. Right. Being a white woman. And this time it was a black girl with dreads. Yeah. And I found that exciting. <laughs> I really did. Thank you. It was it was kind of scary. It was kind of scary to do. I'm not going to really? lie. Really? Why? I mean, scary in the sense that like I knew 
what I was trying to get at in terms of the way that like we, I mean, I say crabs in a barrel in the book, like the way that we can be to one another uh, competitive, mm. the way that we feel like, you know, we, we're not, we can't be that, there can't be that many of us in one space. We have to really only be representative like through one person. And so with publishing that, that is definitely the case. And Nella, you know, has been the only one for so long. She's been really hungry for another Black person. But then I also wanted to get at why maybe now she's not that excited about it. But then also the Mm -hmm. reasons why that happens. They're not just because they don't want each other to succeed, right? Or they're, that's not the, that's not the point. The point is that it goes bigger than them. It goes into corporate culture. It goes into um, white supremacy, the commodification yeah. of black people, like black bodies yeah. and black work and black creativity, all of those things that cause them to compete. And so those are things that like black people have been talking about and minorities have been talking about for a while. But really getting that that conversation for me as a black artist made me a little wary of like, okay, the eyes on this work, I don't want people to be like, oh, so Black people can be this way toward one another or have these feelings, like, then it's okay for us to have it. Because that's not, mm, that's yeah, not the that's point. Not the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it also, for me, felt like a nice level of nuance in this moment to unpack that there are many different ways to be a Black woman. Yes. You know, so much of the last year or two of activism and internet discourse has been support black women, believe black women, black right. women will save us, black women are the future, black <laughs> women are special aliens that yes. can heal the world. <laughs> and it it's been a monolithic interpretation of what it means to be a black woman. Exactly. And your book is a reminder that there are lots of different kinds of black ladies. Okay? Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thank you. That that means a lot to me because that's what I wanted. Like, I, I wrote this for black women. I wrote this for... Black people who have worked in these corporate spaces have been the only one, have felt like they've had to speak for every single body, every single person, everybody in the world, you know, who has the same skin color as them. When that's not the case, like we are all, we all have different opinions. These characters are so messy. They're all just trying to be and trying to succeed. And sometimes they're doing it maybe the way that you would do it and then they're also doing their own thing in another way that you're you're judging and there are characters to judge in this book i think that's important because like we're not all we deserve to be messy we deserve to be you know just be who we are yeah you know this book quickly ventures into territory that kind of made me think of devil wears prada you know two Mm. young folks in the office one begins to fail one begins to succeed there's clearly a rivalry it gets weirdly tense etc but then it goes further you know Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say anything else about the further, and I'm just going to say it goes further. But it's drawing some comparisons to some thrillers, some psychological thrillers. It's drawing some comparisons to get out. You know, there was a world in which you could let this just be an office drama in which two similar young women end up on different tracks because one can make it work and the other can't. But you made that twist that made it so much bigger. Uh, What made you decide to take it there? So I... It's funny, this book, this book without the twist or the genre would just not be me. Um, mm. I 
just love twists like that in books that I read. Um, I'm a big horror fan. I'm a big sci-fi fan. I could talk to someone for an hour about Night of the Living Dead and the ending of that movie, like Twilight Zone. Hadn't really been a writer in that space, though. So figuring out how I would really implement all of these pieces uh, that aren't just in the literary space, like there are those genre elements. That was, that took some work in editing. And I will say though, that like I had so much fun because I just think also with the topics in this book, they're heavy. Uh, the the line yeah. between code switching and selling out, the, the idea of how to succeed, um, you know, what it would be like to, to, you know, just go to work and not have to think about all of the stressors you're experiencing as a black woman, as a woman, as a young person trying to survive off of this wage that you can't really use to live in New York. It's impossible. Uh, All of those things uh, are heavy. And so I wanted to have this other element to really, I mean, it's still very scary uh, to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but it still also adds this lightness, I think, that will hopefully allow people to talk about the book in a much more comfortable way, in a much more open way, uh, Black people with other Black people, but then also all of us having conversations together about just, you know, all of the yeah. questions that Nella faces in this book. Coming up, The Other Black Girl is also one big critique of the publishing industry. So what was it like when publishing loved the book? This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. An officer pins a 16-year-old to the ground and punches out his teeth. But are there any consequences for the cop? For the first time, we take you inside the secret investigations that show how police protections in California shield officers from accountability. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. This book is a commentary on race and performance but it is also a very specific send-up of the publishing industry Mm. and the enduring (laughs) tone-deaf liberal whiteness of the publishing industry. Yes. And it's the kind of book that you could see a lot of agents and publishers in the publishing industry saying hell no Mm -hmm. to right off the bat. And yet there was an insane bidding war for this book. How surprised were you to see the very industry that you were satirizing offer to pay you a lot of money to publish that satire? <laughs> it was so weird. It was so surreal. Really? I mean, <laughs> I, it, you know, in a lot of ways I was very surprised because yeah. I did have some feedback. The fact that it was said in publishing, I when I started writing it, I did kind of have a, a you know plans to maybe take the publishing part out of it at some point because I was like well well in the sense that I was very much aware of just what I would be going up against and Mm. first when I wrote it I didn't want it to come off as 
a specific takedown of where I worked and who I worked with. And I'm actually still in <laughs> touch with a lot of my colleagues from there. Um, okay. You didn't say all. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Um, <laughs> and, and I really wanted to get at really publishing in general as an industry because it really is, it takes a village. It's not one specific person. It is the system. And so when I did decide, okay, this is the world I know, and then also, of course, publishing is just too rich because it's such a strange kind of cultish industry. Um, but I did have someone say uh, when I was currying agents, like, I think this is great, but I don't know if, like, I don't think publishing's ready for this. But then, of course, there is this tourism in the publishing world and maybe it's extended beyond at this point that publishing loves to read books about publishing. And that somehow still applied to this book. Uh, but I, and I'll also add the thing that was really nice uh, while we were meeting with publishing houses is that a lot of them were saying we've, we see ourselves in this book. And mm. that was really something to, to, yeah. for them to say, you know, this made me really uncomfortable and to like talk about it was really, really great, <laughs> really satisfying. Yeah. You know, so much of the story of the publishing industry in this book is that it is an industry full of people who think they get it but don't. People who yes. love to say diversity as much as possible in every meeting, who love to, you know, have a black person on the website. But when it comes down to it, they either get it wrong or they aren't really trying. Yeah. And I think that is something that's true not just for publishing, but yeah. f- other arenas, maybe even public radio. <laughs> that said, <laughs> what do you hope is the biggest lesson that folks in the publishing industry take from this book and its commentary on that dynamic within publishing? Oh, yeah. I mean... One thing about this book that I really wanted to say to my old coworkers, the the industry, everyone, is it's really important to try to retain these these young black people, right? Like it's that part. It's so yes. hard to be a person in this space and feel like no one is there for you. And I think that it's really important to to know that we need to feel like we can speak out and speak up. And if we don't feel like we are being valued or if we feel like the only way to get up is not, or move up is not to speak out. Like that's Mm. also a problem. Yeah. You know, another thing that I've been thinking about a lot with your book and just other black works in this moment is like, how much of these works, even if they're fiction, is the author's biography, particularly if they're black? Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. much is that expected? You know, you've talked yeah. about Nella drawing a lot from who you are as a person, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. But she's not all you. Right. But it sometimes feels as, especially in this moment where we're focused so much, it seems, on black lives. Yeah. There's this desire from audiences and critics to make all of the work from black people intensely biographical. Yeah. Um, And I just wonder how you deal with that, because it seems as if it's a higher level of expectation of what we give of ourselves than maybe non-black people have to deal with when they're doing things like writing. 
Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I'm in such a, a special situation where it's like, I I did work in this space, right? And like, I people people know me and people knew that I worked in this space. And so it's like, almost, and it's inevitable for them to think that this book is is really inspired my by my experiences um yeah and and but i do think with the next book that i haven't started writing just yet but it's it's in my head and i'm thinking about it i do think about that all the time with the next book whatever i write because i did start this way and it it makes me nervous i i i do want to have that space to break out of you know, what I've done here in some regard. Coming up, we reflect on being Black in the workplace. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com slash NPR today to get 10% off your first month. From your car radio to your smart speaker, NPR meets you where you are in a lot of different ways. Now we're in your pocket. Download the NPR app today. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. We talked a fair amount about Nella and Hazel, but for me, Hazel, who was the other black girl, you know, this Regina George with dreadlocks, you know, <laughs> someone who was all about that. the climb. <laughs> you can use it. You can use it. I will. I'll credit you. I'll credit you. I promise. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you know, but Hazel is this black girl who was all about the climb and using whatever it takes and doing whatever it takes to conquer these white spaces, even if it means stepping over people who look like her. Mm-hmm. And I got to admit, reading this book, I wondered to myself more than once, have I ever been Hazel? Have mm. I ever been the other black girl myself mm. in my career? Yeah. Have Oof. you have you wondered that? <laughs> Oof, my soul, my soul. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have well, mm, no. Yes, yes and no. Not that explicitly. Okay, okay, okay. That's yeah, let me me, let me stop. Me. I well, one of my the friend that I mentioned earlier who I would send my ideas to, uh, my writing ideas, she's another black woman. We went to uh we did the same MFA program at the new school. Um and we would say we actually would use the OBG like whenever we were in places, like we'd be like, Oh really? there's the OBG. And not out of like a a place of malice, just like, oh, there's another black person here. And specifically in spaces like when we're at parties and when we're at certain bars or like that kind of thing to be like, mm-hmm. okay, like there's the other black person. And we'd wonder, we'd wonder about them. We'd wonder if there, it was a party, we'd wonder what their connection was to the party because like we would also think about our own connection. And that was <laughs> yeah. that was the thing that I, I, with Nella kind of sizing Hazel up and Nella and Malika talking about Hazel, like, 
who is she? What what is she about? Like, what kind of black person is she? You know what I mean? Like, those those are things that that we have talked about. So that's I think that's maybe OBG of us <laughs> to be other, <laughs> othering the other black girl in the room. Well, I thought about myself and my career. You know, I've never been. Yeah. I've never, I think, purposely tried to sabotage another black person's career to advance my own. But I do think looking back, you know, looking for Hazel or other black girl tendencies, I have been silent when I should have said something. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, there are these things yeah. that happen. There are these dynamics that happen where you figure out because the signs are there your place in the pecking order, yeah. your place on the the stairwell. Yeah. And at a certain point, you feel like you're not supposed to talk about other folks who aren't at the place you are in these institutions. Yeah. And I think if I would have, if I could go back over my career, uh, I would say you should be speaking up about this stuff for these people wherever they are at yeah. all places in the organization. Right. Because you don't have to be actively trying to sabotage someone to not be helping somebody that needs help. It's- Oh, yeah. And if you don't speak out, who else is going to? That And not not that, not to like put this on you, but I mean, we do, like there's a truism that we can't, there can only be one of us in these, a lot of spaces as black people, but then there's also the other much better and more positive truism that we, we all got to help each other out. We all have to give each other a nod. Like we are, to be in these spaces is, is really fortunate in a lot of ways, given all of the odds that are stacked against us. So it's it is really important to make sure you are you are doing your duty. I, and I feel like that sounds not <laughs> it's yeah, it's not, not fair, but it's the real. right there word. Is a but duty. Yeah, a duty. yeah, yeah. And that that's the thing. Talking to other Black people about this book um, has been really interesting. Is the like I had a hazel. I I usually get people telling me I had a hazel. I don't mm-hmm. get people saying what you said, and I think that's that's so important. And again, I'm gonna do some serious introspection after this, and like think about every time I have maybe been the hazel because that's important. That's so yeah, that's so yeah. important. I want to close this interview kind of close to where we started. You talked about that moment in the office bathroom that mm-hmm. inspired this entire book and your entire wild ride these last few years, Mm -hmm. you seen another black woman in the office restroom and neither of you says a word to each other. If you could go back to that moment in that office bathroom next to that other black woman, but today, what do you think you'd do now? Mm, Another really great thing I've never talked about with anyone else. This is amazing question. I would, I would say, let's go get a coffee. Yeah. I would say, let's go get a coffee. I, I wish I had, I wish I'd been, yeah, I wish I'd spoken out. Maybe in that case, maybe that's when I was the Hazel, Sam. I think, (gasps) I think, (laughs) and boom, our work is done. Um, No, (laughs) no, but I I think I would have, I mean, I would have found out sooner why she was on the floor, what she was doing, and then 
I could talk to her now about this because I do wonder, yeah. like, is she has she heard the story? Like, does she even remember this happening? Like that, it's it's crazy to think about all the things that could have been different. But it's good that it wasn't different because you, you got know, this. I wasn't gonna say <laughs> that, but. The- <laughs> I got to say, this book has been my first, I think, post-vaccine, post-pandemic read. And it is setting the tone for what I know is going to be a really great year reading books all over the place. And I'm so excited that I got to start that journey with your book, The Other Black Girl. I really did enjoy it so much. Thank you for your work and for doing you. Thank you so much. This has been such an honor. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks again to writer Zakia Delilah Harris. Her book, The Other Black Girl, is out now. I gotta say, I sped through this one and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Go read The Other Black Girl. And one more thing to ask of you. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, we want to know how we are doing making this show for you. What do you like? What do you not like? What keeps you coming back? What do you hope we never, ever do again? You can tell us all of that by taking a short, anonymous survey. Here's the link, npr.org slash podcast survey, npr.org slash podcast survey. I know no one wants to fill out an online survey, but if you do this for me, I guarantee you this show will get even better. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, this episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Andrea Gutierrez, and it was edited by Jordana Hokeman. All right, listeners, be good to yourselves. Go read a book. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. All that sitting and swiping... Your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.